Hello, and welcome to Fire and Water, a Zutara podcast. My name is Katie, and today I am not here with my usual co-host Frankie, but rather my mom. Say hi, mom. Hi, everyone. (laughs) So, Frankie unfortunately can't be here today. That's my best friend. Uh, She uses a code name. My mom knows her by something different. (laughs) Um... And for this special episode, I thought it would be fun to bring on my mom and have her share her perspective. Because over 2020, over quarantine, we watched Avatar together after I watched it for the first time. Watched it all on our living room TV, sat down on the couch, popcorn some nights, the whole nine yards. So, mom, why don't you start off with your beginning thoughts and experience watching Avatar? Well, it was exciting. Katie wanted me to watch this. Um, It's very important to her. I needed to make sure I had a decent block of time so that I would remember the characters and the plot. Um, And once I got into it, the first few episodes, then it was easy to keep going with it. Yeah, she still mixes up Sokka and Zuko's names. (laughs) But besides that, (laughs) she's like the water tribe boy and the fire prince with the bad temper. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I use characteristics often if I forget their names. Yes. Um, And one thing I found particularly interesting was that you, at the end, did not seem to be a big fan of the finale in terms of uh, that last scene of Aang and Katara. Rather, you seemed to lean more the Zutara direction, like Frankie and I do. So how did you feel all about that and how the relationships were depicted? As a mom, you know, kids are watching this and everything, getting life lessons from it. How did you feel about that? I just really, throughout the whole series, really thought that Yang was more of a younger sibling um, to Katara, and their relationship, in in my opinion, kind of followed that role. Yeah, because Katara is very motherly, which I think is why you were drawn to her as a mom. She was your favorite character throughout, which you're about the only person in my life who I've watched this with who that has been the case. Yeah, that is true. I just think her toughness, um, the fact that she no longer had her own mother, um, she took on a lot of qualities herself um, of wanting to help other people. So, but yeah, I just, I always took Yang as being more like a younger sibling to her. It sounds like you're saying Yang, by the way, like Yin and Yang. Aang. Aang. (laughs) (laughs) There I go. The boy with no hair. The boy with no hair. The air nomad. The main character. The main character. I think they know who we're talking about. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought it was very interesting and honestly, very, um, not rewarding, but just the fact that you, my mom, you know, who has been an example of what a relationship should look like with my dad my entire life, you know, I happen to come and lucky to come from, I should say, a happy and healthy family situation. So my parents have been my example growing up. And as someone who has yet to be in a relationship, they're pretty much all the experience and, you know, example I have beyond some of my friends. So seeing you watch that and come to a similar conclusion, it felt really good to be like, okay, like I'm seeing the same things here. Like I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that's definitely um, the way that I took it. Just throughout the whole series, I, I thought it was more of a of a sibling relationship than anything else. I mean, it was obvious that um, Aang had a crush just from the 
the animation and the, and the funny things that they did throughout the series, um, which is like pretty typical for that age group. I mean, knowing children myself, uh, pretty common um, for younger children you, to get those crushes on on kids who are a few years older than them. It's not uncommon at all. Yep, you work with kids not far from Ming's age, mm-hmm. but the reality of this is, and something that came out with so. I don't think you even know this because I haven't told you about it, but the live action Netflix casting came out and it's age accurate. And looking at the actor for Aang versus the actress for Katara, people were like, Katang is going to look so wrong. And Frankie and I did an episode called Casting Chaos where we broke it all down and we were like, yeah, no kidding. That's what we've been saying. This is a seventh grader or around that age, fresh out of 12, with a freshman, sophomore in high school. It feels weird the age gap is significant at that age and the fact of the matter is ang is a young 12 he comes across as the young side of 12 at least to me whereas katara not only is she more mature for her age just because she's a girl and females mature quicker overall Mm -hmm. but also she is just a mature person for her age so it really makes it feel like a three or even four year age gap when you take that into account and that's where i think you get that big sibling, little sibling, or even like a big cousin interacting with the younger cousin kind of dynamic. Right. Exactly. And there's a huge developmental gap um, between those age brackets. It's huge. Um, The younger age bracket doesn't want to think that, but... um, No, they do not. (laughs) But it is a huge age gap developmentally, emotionally, everything. Yeah, and you find that a lot of the Zutara shippers are not only older, and also I've heard a lot of stories of survivors of abusive relationships and why Zutara and the potential of it, which we'll get into, um, kind of speaks to them, but also the issues that they take with Katang, with Katara kind of being painted a little bit like Aang's property in a sense throughout the series, and that she's seen as this reward for him for good behavior. you know, he kisses her explicitly against her wishes, and there is no discussion about this. I'm not against, and Frankie and I also did an episode discussing this, I'm not against it if it's about depicting that and, you know, discussing the lesson of, okay, here's why that is wrong. You respect people's boundaries, and if that was a lesson for Aang to learn um, and mature with, but unfortunately... The next thing we see them doing pretty much beyond the little beach party in the finale is getting together at the end. And it doesn't seem like that was properly addressed. So I think there's definitely quite a few iffy messages written in there with how it was handled. And things are in general very messy at the end because the fact of the matter is you had two different forces pulling the story and the end game towards two different directions in regards to the series creators, Bright, wanting Katang to be endgame, and then what the writers originally intended, particularly head writer Aaron Ehaws, which was Zutara to be endgame. And they saw the potential there in what you know the same way a lot of us fans do. And unfortunately, Zutara wasn't able to happen because it got cut short a season. Um, There was initially supposed to be book four air that has been confirmed by the writers. But it's a whole mess and split between the fandom because basically, and I'm explaining this to my mom for the first time, by the way, pretty much, um, because I'm curious to hear her thoughts. Basically, the creators kind of deny this. Um, Brian Konietzko and Michael Dante DiMartino, people call them Brike. 
they combine them into break. <laughs> um, and break kind of denies this because they backed the live action film, which turned out horrible. They back chose to back that instead of doing the season four that was intended. So that's where you, we get a very truncated ending to book three, Fire. That's why we get the Zuko field trips with all the different characters, where Zuko almost feels like he's the main character at the end, because they had to rush all that development and make sure it all got in there. There was no room for filler anymore. Whereas you look at season one, you look at season two, and there was a plethora of just fun side adventure filler episodes, and it's even present in the first half of season one. Season two, uh, season three, excuse me, B really took the hit. So just like the fandom being split, like the Great Divide, <laughs> you know, it that was happening behind the scenes as well. And you see it in the writing, like people get confused watching the end of the show. They see the hints of Zutara that are left over from that being intended to be developed. You know, basically, oh, our dog is whining outside my door. <laughs> <laughs> Moby, leave us alone. <laughs> in all seriousness, it's interesting to see how the production is reflected in the fandom itself being split having all this drama and the whole point of why we wanted to start this podcast was to kind of rise above that and even as Zutara shippers being of a Zutara focus you know spread this message of you can ship whatever you want I have serious issues with Katang so does Frankie my mom seems to have something she dislikes about it I don't know if she would classify it as serious issues She's not as into, you know, meta critique and like fandom analysis right. as I am, you know, to kind of word it, seen it once. Yeah, word it that passionately. Right. But I know so many people who take issue with it and having that divide in real life. I also think <laughs> it's kind of reflective of the intended message of Zutara of the hope in antagonistic forces being able to grow and come together and the emotional maturity that they share where to me even as soon as they become friends Zuko reads as the one person who is on the same emotional wavelength and maturity level as Katara mm -hmm. she's the one person who doesn't really who she doesn't treat like act like his mom right and I think that's very indicative that they're a good pairing for a romantic relationship in the future now a big thing was uh Frankie and I is we do not believe that as is, Zutara should have happened. It wouldn't have been enough time for romantic development. We believe that it should have happened if we got that book four, where we solidified the strength of their friendship by the end of book three, and then book four, maybe with a time jump and things like that, is what permits for romantic development. Because Zuko doesn't even join the gang until halfway through book three. Right. So we are of that belief. There are Zutara shippers up, you know, out there who kind of fantasize it and you know think they should have made out at the end basically and it's like these are kids and you are like now you're taking it too far the other end and projecting your own adult kind of ideas you know basically treating these characters like they are adults there's a lot of over sexualized utara fan art which frankie and i stand firmly against there's problems on both ends of the fandom there's a lot of misogyny, if you ask me, <laughs> on the Katang side. You know, there there are issues all over the place. And it is incredible to see how, to what lengths people will go to to defend their ship. They will go down with this ship. It's, people get so passionate about it. And like, what what do you think of that? 
you know, as someone on the outside, just kind of casually watching this, like, what do you have to say in regards to that kind of culture? (laughs) That's hard for me because I have a lot of opinions about that because I am of a completely different generation. Yeah. So early um, Gen X, by the way, (laughs) it is it was obvious, at least when I was watching um, towards the end, that as a viewer, it seemed rushed. Um, It didn't seem to take the path that the rest of it did. And so that was definitely something that I noted. I'm a very observant person. Yes, she is. Um, A real Sherlock of media (laughs) consumption. And it didn't really seem like it fit into um, what was before. And I've seen series that were um, rushed to finish um, and maybe jumped off the path that they were on and left their viewers going, you know, wait, what? (laughs) Game of Thrones. What? What I, that doesn't even make sense. Like I didn't expect that. So. This isn't the show I was watching and fell in love with. So I, I mean, as a viewer, I definitely noted that even just watching it once. Um, I think it's great that people have different opinion, different opinions, and then you get, you know, you talk about it, and it's great to defend. I think that there's a a limit and a ceiling, and on how people should behave when it comes to things. <laughs> yes, like that. Um, that is what the internet does not grasp. So. Your personal behavior, whether you are in person or whether you are um, behind a camera or just behind a microphone, you still have to have your morals and values of how you treat other people. So um, disagreeing and and in the respect where it's, you know, you just have to agree to disagree is one thing. But when people get um, insulting and rude or derogatory or something, I think that totally crosses the line for what um fandom should be amen (laughs) um and how people should be treating each other so i mean you're talking about fictional characters first and foremost um these are written they're fiction so you can have the open discussions and it's fun to do so but you know when you turn off your microphone or your camera at the end of the day you're still talking about uh you're not talking about real people so it's fun to dissect it and to think about different things um, different paths that the writers could go on. Um, but when it comes to a close, you still have to remember who you are and what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of our goal with this podcast and forming this community to make a space that was rid of that toxicity. And it's hard. You have to actively work to maintain that. Decide what you're going to delete, for example, when you get hate comments. Okay, mm-hmm. what is fair critique and at what end am I you know crossing the line and you know not accepting other people's point of view like what comments are fair in that regard that's something I've had to learn to do on the Instagram Mm -hmm. um the other main part of our community we have this podcast and we run an Instagram page where we share fan art and we've had people send us fan art that they want us to post on the page that Frankie and I feel is very over-sexualized and we've had to politely say, no, we are not comfortable sharing that. These are minors, first and foremost. We are two adult women discussing this story on its narrative merit. We are not going to share fan art of minors in those kind of compromising and vulnerable positions, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, teenagers don't do stuff and that that's not normal or okay developmentally. They do, but um, there is a line to be crossed in regards to what you share and depicting it, (laughs) especially when it's a bunch of adult artists, you know, you start to question, okay, why do you seem so anxious to 
like a lot of people on the Katang side of things. Um, you know, Katang is very huge with the there's a kind of group of really big avatar accounts. <laughs> the dog is still making noises. <laughs> I deeply apologize if you can hear that, by the way. You very well might be able to. Um, if not, just enjoy our <laughs> laughter at it. But there is a group of Katang oriented Instagram pages that are kind of the main avatar pages on Instagram. And let me tell you, when that casting was released that I was telling you about, a lot of them were quick to make excuses of, oh, Aang's actor has an outdated headshot, which didn't make any sense. He's 11 years old and they claimed it was from when he was like eight, which is not how the industry works. You wouldn't submit a headshot from when before the casting call happened. <laughs> That's just not a thing. Like, he looks young. He looks his age. Accept it. You know, they were just trying. I'm like, wow, a lot of you seem rather anxious to see these two minors, you know, kissing and stuff and in romantic relations and everything. Like, why is that your go-to? What does that say about you? Because I, before Zutara even, before anything, I'm concerned about the story in these characters' relationships on a unconditional level, which is the foundation of what I believe Zutara to be. And that is what we see in season three, the building of that unconditional bond before romance has had any time to develop and come in. This connection that they share, not only in their shared trauma, but ability to communicate. Like I said, they're similar developmental levels. You know, Zuko is about one and a half, two years older than her around then. No, I just, I totally agree with, you should be very choosy when you're talking about um, artwork or even talking about y y characters who are still youths. I mean, one is a, is a barely a teenager. The other one mm -hmm. is just mid-teens. These are not young adult characters. So you have to be very mindful mm -hmm. um, of what you portray whether or not um it doesn't even matter if half your viewers are adults that that shouldn't matter um there's just a that moral line of which by the way is our viewership i was looking at it earlier today because my mom was actually curious um she asked about swearing and cussing because we are a very loose-lipped family <laughs> and she and she jokingly was like oh can i come on and you know and swear like you know and i said no, but I established we have a few minor swears here and there, but we try not to cuss too much, keep it fairly family family friendly. And we were curious as to what the age bracket was. So I, I looked at it. I have all those analytics right on my phone. And it's 18 to 27. It, young adults. all That is completely adult age. Frankie and I are right smack in the middle of that age range, pretty much. A little to the earlier side. Um but right smack in the middle at 21 years old. So, you know, you do have to be careful. And I think people, in their passion, it doesn't necessarily, the worst part is, it doesn't necessarily come from a malicious place. It comes from passion about the story. And when people like us can't imagine how, you know, someone could possibly ship Katang, we just, we see what's wrong with it. We see why it doesn't work, why it comes across as, you know, a siblings you know and very motherly and stuff and just doesn't work as romantic the few romantic parts that we do see feel very forced compared to the rest of the dynamic you know you see we see that and we're like how could anyone possibly ship it some people see the antagonistic beginning of zutara and find the shit bizarre and say how could anyone possibly ship that you have to put yourself in the other people's shoes and 
out of context, I can completely understand why people find the Zutara ship weird. I, watching it for the first time as a young adult, immediately got it. I, you know, knew Frankie shipped it from the beginning, which we've discussed a little bit already on the podcast. You know, she would send me Zutara fan art. She was a huge fan of it. And I did know that that was the side of the conflict that she was on. But she let me form my own opinion. No, you know, manipulation, for lack of a better term. No, like, I was free to feel about it as I wanted to, watching it and discussing it with her for the first time. I happened to be on the same side. If I was, I could be the most diehard Katang shipper and she would still love and accept me and we would be just as good of friends. We may not have this podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> but we would be just as good of friends. And that's an example that, you know, I have a friend from across the pond who is a Katang shipper and we're going to bring onto the podcast one day. That's fun. Yeah. You know, and discuss our different perspectives and why we ship what we ship and have a civil conversation. It might get passionate, you know, but what we- What does ship mean? Like the pairs that you like. Okay. Yeah. So like Zutara is a ship. Okay. So noun, and then you ship it, verb. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's all fandom lingo. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And some fandom gets, like, really deep into things really weird. Like, there's cross ships between different stories. Like, yeah. It gets, it's a rabbit hole to fall down okay. that I am, I tend to stay at the surface of because it's a bit much you. for me. <laughs> it's not something I intend on learning, that lingo. Uh, Agues and all that, which is alternate universe stuff that people oh put my. characters in for fanfic. And oh my gosh, it, it gets crazy out there. We keep things pretty simple over here. We just discussed a story. That is story analysis and all that is the area of fandom, which I am interested in. <laughs> always has been, probably always will be. But yeah, I mean, I think we share a lot of the same sentiments that you have to be careful, you know, especially careful online, and you have to remember what it is you're discussing, which is, at the end of the day, fictional characters. Mm -hmm. So, I'm curious, if you had your way, how would Avatar have ended? Would you have liked to see Book 4 air, first of all? Yes, because I don't think, um, I think it was rushed. You think it needed more time? Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. It definitely seemed like there was a lot more story to tell, even with um, his uncle. There just mm. seemed to be a lot more story to tell. Watch Cora. Of things that they didn't um, watch Cora. Wrap up. I mean, if a series <laughs> is going to end, it needs to wrap up. You kind of should have all your questions answered, and you should be satisfied, whether it's the outcome you wanted or not. You should still be satisfied that it ended kind of cleaning house first. Yep. Wrapping up and all the questions. Season four, a big part of Azula's arc was going to be about finding their mother. Mm. And Zuko, after joining the gang, them helping him find his mother. Which they even tease at the end. Right. And then they make fun of in Korra, actually. The fact that we never found out. <laughs> um, one of Aang's grand grandkids is asking an older Katara about all their adventures. She's asking a million qu questions. Excuse me. Questions. And she's like... I read about all your adventures and blah, blah, blah. And what about this? And what about that? And she goes, and what happened to Zuko's mom? Did we ever like learn about that? And Katara goes to answer and she's cut off. So <laughs> it's like a joke. Like we never find out. And we find out in a comic called The Search, which a lot of people don't even consider the spinoff com comics to be canon, which is canon as in 
oh gosh, how does one explain what canon means? <laughs> like, Katang is canon. It's what's true and part of, like, the actual story narrative. Okay. So, like, stuff that people write in fanfics, for example, isn't canon. That's fan canon. It's, I know, it's very complicated. It's like another whole language. It is another whole language. Um, so, like, Katang, as much as I hate to live in this world where this is true, is canon. I would love to live in the alternate universe where we didn't have the awful live-action movie and we got book four. It would probably mean we didn't have Korra, but I will take it. <laughs> I love Korra, which you know. Mom here has uh, yet to watch it. No, I have yet to see that. I think she's really going to like it. I will. For me, it's always allotting and having the time to do it. Yeah. If I wait too long between episodes, I tend to right. you know, forget characters. and Right. And mom has been busy, you know, with her first year teaching of a fourth grade classroom. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> she's not too, I mean, a little younger, but not too far off from Ng's age demographic and right. already starting to see some of that stuff, I'm sure, about the girls crushing on the older boys. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> Yep. I'm in the fifth and sixth grade lunchroom, and I heard so and so is dating so and so in the sixth grade, and I'm like, oh my goodness! First of all, I want to put my foot down and be like, okay, your teacher hasn't even had a boyfriend, so, and she is 21, so stop the presses here. <laughs> you do not date in the fifth and sixth grade. You, in quotations, date. <laughs> That's the beginning. It's a process. But at least they're the same age. Like, you do that within your age. Like, you know. Right. Within one or two grades. Usually within your grade or maybe the grade older. But that's about. Exactly. That's, that's where it exactly. stops. Um, mostly. That's where it stops. That's where it should stop. I mean, it's depending on what age bracket yep. you're talking about. There, again, yeah. it goes back to. Like the, I said, Aang. Developmentally appropriate. Aang is just turning 12. You know, that's how his character reads. He's freshly 12 he because i believe they told him when he turned 12 instead of 16 um they're supposed to find out when they're 16 they waited till he was 12 and then he ran away not long after he's not far off of 11 um which makes which makes does make a developmental difference what end of the year you're on is he just off of 11 or is he almost 13 that makes a difference well then he was gone for how many years Right. But developmentally, that doesn't change anything. No, but he came in heat. But for him to make up, start off where he left off, plus coming into a whole, era new, world. Where, a whole new world where people are acting very different. Um, and let's face it, every year that goes by, younger kids act older and older. So I'm sure that was a bit of a culture shock as well. Yeah, imagine going to, into a coma in 2019 and just two years later, you wake up in 2021 and, oh, surprise, there was a global pandemic. <laughs> you know, think about even just two years. It is a huge culture shock. Absolutely. Developmentally, though, he's still at that age, whereas Katara reads as an older 14 to me. At least. I, I'm personally of the belief that her and Sokka are Irish twins and very close in age. Um, do, do, would you agree with that? Yes, they definitely um, have their characteristics. I mean, boys and girls are very different at that age. Even the way they interact, though. Yeah, definitely the way that they interact. I think they're pretty close because he's 15 and she's 14. So I think they're Irish twins. They both still have tempers and, um, you know, don't think before they act, mm -hmm. which is extremely common for that age group. So, And which ships, which pairings would you have ideally liked to see, you know, in, on all fronts in regards to 
Katara and Aang versus Katara and Zuko, or or Katara and no one, which I'm also for because she's a 14 year old girl and we don't necessarily need that. Um, in regards to Zuko, you really don't like Zuko and May. Can't stand them. I remember that being a reaction, <laughs> which neither can we. We have an almost hour long episode called their ship name is called Mako, called just called the Mako problem. It's one of our most popular episodes. We could rant about that for a while. That is the one older teenager angsty pairing that I would actually call toxic. And if you read the comics, they break up and get back together a million freaking times. Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is awful. And it diminishes May's character too, because outside of her relationship with Zuko, I enjoy her character and her dry personality. Mm-hmm. But together, they are just an angst fest and bring out the worst in each other and are so annoying. Yeah. Like the whole beach episode. I So the beach episode is love it or hate it. I strongly dislike parts of it and strongly love parts of it. But you were rather annoyed by it, which I had a feeling you would be. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm talking about? The whole beach episode was Zuko and Tylee and May and all of them on the beach. Yeah. I mean, he whined. He whined a lot. That did definitely annoy me throughout the series. I was, <laughs> As oh a my, mom. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, he whined so much. Enough already. He's definitely very whiny. Um, but no, I didn't like his pairing with her either. I, th- I, didn't, I just didn't see it as being healthy for either one of them. You see, I like the idea of May and Ty Lee being opposites attract and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I think their personalities, like, complement each other more. I guess I'm just drawn to the opposites attract thing. Yeah. You know, which, I mean, my own parents are fire and water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the whole basis of this show, right? The opposite elements. It's our icon. It's our everything. It's our title. The whole basis of this and how it got started was fire and water, the whole opposites attract idea. And I think May and Ty Lee, like, I think, like, the bubbly pink girl and the mm-hmm. angsty goth and stuff. But I think Ty Lee helps her get in touch with her emotions, whereas May gives Ty Lee a very much needed dash of realism when she can cross into toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of them. You know, obviously, like, these are kids, they have no canon, you know, sexualities, so to speak. You know, everything in the original show is shown to be straight. Um, for the most part in Korra, too, until we get Korasami, which I'm very curious. You'll find out what that is. Um, <laughs> at the end of Legend of Korra, um, which I'm a fan of, but how it was... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the idea of it, but how it was done in the show isn't my favorite because i don't think it was developed well i'm so excited for you to watch cora <laughs> a lot of people are annoyed by cora i think you're gonna get a hoot out of her honestly why because you're a fellow fiery aries <laughs> <laughs> and i think cora is a total aries a total bullhead and just like she jumps into everything she can be a bit brash she's very sporty she's very strong and athletic she's the antithesis to ang and I think exploring the flaws that come with that and her strengths as the avatar that come with it um, are just really, really fun. Some people can't freaking stand her. I, on the other hand, can't freaking stand Aang and his pacifism sometimes. I'm like, boy, you gotta do what you gotta do. Like, for the greater good. Like, ooh. <laughs> you know, sometimes when he gets into that whole thing and should I kill Ozai? And I'm like, if this other option of taking away his bending hadn't presented himself, 
you would have had to do it, buddy. Like, hate to break it to you, but <laughs> you got an out there. Um, he got a bit of a narrative writing out to that problem as well, which I like it because, you know, it provides an end where, you know, Ozai is even unhappier than if he was dead. He's forced to be alive without his bending and Aang doesn't have to compromise his beliefs and culture. But it is a little convenient. It is a little convenient. So I have mixed feelings about that writing choice. I think it would have been interesting to see. If Aang cho- chose to kill Ozai, like even at the end of season three or something, then have season four be a different antagonist, like, and have that season four's arc be exploring the impact that had on him could be very interesting. We get to see more airbenders in Korra. Oh, that's true. There wasn't a lot of that. No, because there's only Aang. They that's, were only, yeah. yeah, that's the whole point. He's yeah, the well, last one. Well, went back to his memories, you get to see mm-hmm. some of it in the True. past. True, Monkey Otso, and yeah. again, I only saw I only saw it once, but it's it was definitely captivating. I found it very interesting. It's good, a good storyline, a good blend of characters, um, a lot of action, obviously. Um, the animation was very different than anything that I've been used to. Yeah, because so that was very, very. You've never been exposed to anything remotely anime esque no, ever. So at first, I thought, "Wow, this is very strange to me." The way every everyone looks and some of the different um, stylistic choices. Yeah, yeah, but I got used to it. And all the Eastern ideas and philosophies that come with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that type of animation's nothing. I've never seen it before, yeah. so that was definitely unique. One of the criticisms of Korra is that it actually becomes a bit too westernized because we go to Republic City, you know, which is where all the nations have united, the city that Aang formed, and it's kind of New York. Oh. So, <laughs> but there's also been arguments made where it's also reflective in the architecture and in the culture of a lot of eastern urban areas like shanghai and you know hong kong and like those are just like two chinese for example cities that i can think of tokyo um you know all that kind of stuff so i'll be interested i'll be interested to see what you think of Korra. there's it's 1920s-esque there's a lot of technological advancement okay um like we have old 1920s cars now for example which ends up being their oppa Oh, <laughs> you I know, might miss Appa then. Oh, you're gonna yeah. miss Appa. That is one of the downfalls of Korra. Absolutely, you miss having the flying bison. Oh yeah, he he added a totally different <laughs> feel to the relationships. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously the ending with some of the main characters being, you know, the kids of Aang and Katara. Like the Katang Endgame really does shape Korra. I don't mind it within Korra. I accept canon for what it is. It does feel weird, though, like, looking at, like, old elderly lady Katara. It's like, I can't envision that she had a lifelong relationship with Aang that was romantic. Like, I just, I can't picture it. Like, I am I love the characters that are their kids. Um, Tenzin I get a hoot out of because I'm just a little too similar to him. Um, you'll see he's... Very sensitive and high strung. <laughs> He's a total INFJ as well. Um, that's Aang and Katara's airbending son, the youngest. Um, and the other kids are really funny as well. There's a lot to look forward to in Korra. It's a lot darker. We see death, you know, and things like that. I mean, it's a totally different ballgame, totally different structure. The seasons are around 12 episodes long, but there's four of them. So, like, I'll be curious to see what you think of it. Some people can't do it. 
like after falling in love with Avatar, it feels like it's weird cousin or something. It's just slightly off. It's slightly different. I really enjoy it for what it is. But also in watching, I gave it the space I needed after finishing Avatar and rewatched some Avatar after like coinciding with watching Korra for the first time. So I didn't miss it. I kind of blended the two together, which I think really helped. So when I was missing Appa, for example, after watching half a season of Korra that day, because this was during quarantine, so I could watch half a season of Korra in one day, <laughs> you know, casually go through 10 episodes throughout the day doing stuff, watching it on my phone, whatever. After that, I would watch, rewatch parts of Avatar. I watch a lot of Avatar still, and I'm currently in a Korra rewatch, and honestly, doing the same thing even on rewatch, like, it, it works for me. So I think giving it that same space, you know, it's been a while since you saw Avatar, mm -hmm. will really help you warm up to it. Yep. Is there anything you're, anything you're wondering about it, like, curious about? Not really. I mean, I, I will take it as something completely different. That's the way to go about the it. familiarity of, you know, maybe some of the characters that they talk about and mention, um, you know, will trigger in my memory, but I don't have um, the background knowledge mm -hmm. that you do. I haven't watched it as many times right. as you have. So, and I'm not as right. invested in the relationships between the characters. I'm just um, following the storyline and, and enjoying the actual entertainment side of it. Yeah. That's the way I, that's the way I look at things. I don't usually yeah. critique. Which I think will do lot. you well for Cora. Um, there's a lot of great entertainment and action and things to go along with it. Season two gets a little rocky plot wise. Um, I'm not sure how you'll feel about the season two finale. If you if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. You're gonna love season three. Um, season three is, I mean, honestly, on par with Avatar was quality. It is so good. It's a mixed bag, but I overall really love it. So. Awesome. Yeah, but Avatar is a mixed bag, too. It's overall, like, critically the better show, but it has its flaws, too, with a, the bit of rushed writing at the end. Mm -hmm. And some of the character stuff, and you know, in my opinion, what ended up being Endgame with the pairings and everything weren't good writing choices. So everything has its flaws, but I think you can't let that get in the way of enjoying it as a whole, as a piece of entertainment. Piece of entertainment, exactly. Yep. All right. Well, I think that is about all we have for today. Thank you for coming on, Mom, and sharing your opinions and discussing your experience watching Avatar. You're quite welcome. <laughs> it, it meant a lot when she watched it with me. You know, <laughs> I, I did the event with Jenny. I did the event with Michaela. And it really became a big part of my life. I have a whole bunch of signed stuff around my room. It really, really means a lot to me. So getting to share that with her was, was special. Yeah, it was fun. Dad came in and watched a some points too i would love to see his reaction to watching the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if he's the patience to sit i don't i don't know if he has the patience either and i don't know if he has the this is not to insult his intelligence but he has a certain kind of mechanical intelligence that i don't think you know typical man versus woman brain you guys happen to fall into those stereotypes for sure where mom sees a lot more of the nuance in in the writing and stuff and dad can like 
not be like that so much and I think it might be functioning a bit higher for him to fully appreciate if you know what I mean well you need to look at different things but although he does enjoy really complex political stories Mm -hmm. so I think in that regard like he loves the Hunger Games I got him super into the Hunger Games we watched Catching Fire in theaters it became our thing and he turned to me and was like I need the next book (laughs) hadn't even read the first two books and I was like I got you, Dad. Here's Mocking Jay. You know, he likes that kind of story. So in that regard, maybe Avatar... He would actually... He would like Korra. He would like Korra more than Avatar. It's very politically savvy. Um, And I'm sure we'll have some great conversations about that after episodes because I chew Mom's ear off after episodes, filling her in about everything and talking about all my opinions. And she's just like... (laughs) Kate, it's late. I want to go to bed. <laughs> I'm following her around as she's getting ready for bed. Blah, 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 blah. That is a true story. You are your father's daughter. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Thank you once again, Mom, for coming on. That is all that we have for you today. And happy Zutara shipping. Bye. <laughs>